Well, we are in his presence, aren't we? Praise God for this team and how they lead us uh, into his presence every week. Whether you're online or in person, uh, it is so good to be together. And uh, we all, if, if you're here in, in Florida, uh, we just went through a week. We really, we just went through a 30-day period that's been kind of different, right? Uh, you've had, we've had some storms, and uh, storms obviously cause us to to realize what do we trust in and, and who's really in control. And, and, and they also unearth things, right? I mean, there's things that a storm kind of brings out sometimes out of the land and the, and the, the area. And so in all of that, it reveals stuff. And, and in so many ways today, as we get into his word, I just have this sense that this idea of cross-shaped love, that's what we're talking about today is cross-shaped love. That, that there's all of these things that life may be unearthing in your world, things that are coming into the light. And God's saying, hey, I, I've done something about that. I have something that I want to shape moving forward in and through your life. And, and it's funny, you know, somebody mentioned to me, Pastor, don't you know you're in Florida now? I'm wearing a, a sweater right now because, uh, you know, I'm from Michigan. I've been here two years. This is the time of year we pull this stuff out in Michigan, okay? And so it just felt like I needed to, to do that today, and I, I guess I missed the memo. And uh, I got to tell you, like, as we were heading into both storms, our family of six has never been through these kind of things. We know what to do in a blizzard. We know what to do in a snowstorm. But a hurricane? Come on, right? So, so no joke. Some of you are going to laugh at this. It, in so many ways, what you listen to what you pay attention to shapes you. And so through both of these storms, we were listening and, you know, sometimes it was social media, sometimes it was the news, and, and uh, we ended up buying 18 gallons of water. <laughs> we still have all 18. We sandbagged the garage and the front door both times. We have lots of food and uh, candles and batteries for flashlights. And we even bought off in, in uh, you know, like the uh, insect repellent because we thought that that might be needed. And so you laugh, but when you're shaped by things, it causes you to respond in, in ways. And we're all shaped by something, whether we realize it or not. It, it may be the music you're listening to, the social media you're feeding on, the news. It may be the people in your life. Hopefully, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's his truth and his word. So as we get into this today, remember that this series is rated, rated PG-13. It is uh, there to net, let parents know, whether you're online or in person, we're going to talk about things that the world's talking about, often in a rated R way, that we're letting you know we're doing it in a PG-13 way so you can then have biblical, Christ-centered conversations about love, singleness, dating, marriage, and sex in your home with your kids, because if you're not, the world is. So as we get into this, I want to start with this quote from, uh, this is actually from C.J. Mahani who says this, Solomon, this is the writer behind the Song of Solomon, would produce 3,000 proverbs and more than 1,000 songs and hymns. The son of a legendary king and a great king himself, he would be esteemed in scripture as the wisest man who had yet lived. And his song of songs is nothing less than an explicit and unblushing celebration of sex within marriage. It is an entire book of the Bible devoted to the promotion of sexual intimacy within the covenant of marriage. 
It's an eight-chapter feast of unbridled, uninhibited, joyous immersion in verbal and physical expressions of passion between a man and a woman. Hi. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it raises the temperature, and yes, it also points to who Jesus is. And today, what we're going to draw together is not just the relationship between the, the married couple, but we're also going to look at what is the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. And you're going to see how all of this comes together and makes us a people that is passionate and shaped by the cross. Turn with me to Song of Song, uh, or Song of Solomon, chapter 6. And as we look at these first three verses together, I want to remind you that this is a letter, they've been telling a story that the king and his princess had actually been in a conflict that we see unfolding in chapter 4 and 5, that they had had a fight, a little bit of a misunderstanding and a conflict, and so we pick up the story as they're coming back together to look at how, how is this going to work, and you're going to notice that they're not directly addressing who's right, and, and they're not addressing exactly what they felt they're literally shaped so much by God's love that they're approaching this in a very healthy manner. Picking up in verse 1. The friends say, Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? Because he had left their home and she had been out looking for him. Verse 2, she says, My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens, and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. So she affirms that despite the conflict, despite what is going on, I am his, he is mine, we are together. If you're taking notes here, cross-shaped love, if we want to look at what this means for us, it's the beloved, which is what she's calling herself, is to be loved inclusively and exclusively. And this is incredibly important to understand that Jesus does the same thing with you and I. That he looks at you and I and says, I see you in your, in your sin and your pain and your dysfunction. I created you. I love you. I love you all in a way that says, come to me, come to the cross. So he's inclusive of us just as we are. But the beauty of Christ is he doesn't leave us where we were. When he comes into our life, he begins the process of transforming us into Christ-likeness, and that's where the relationship becomes exclusive, that, that we no longer are to flirt with the world or to be in, have one foot in his world and another foot in someone else's. It is all his. I am my beloved, and he is mine. Come on, church. She's saying that this is the truth of their relationship, but it's also the truth of what it means to come to Jesus. The good news is, no matter what we've done, where we've been, he says, I love you just as you are. I, I want to include you if you'll come to the cross, if you'll come to me and ask for forgiveness and receive what I've done for you. I want to include you. And now that I've done that, I'm going to put my spirit on you and in you and seal you. Till the day of redemption, I'm, I'm going to shape you and form you to be more like me. It's an exclusive relationship. We're no longer going to let others get in or the world get in in the ways that we might have in the past. 
We are our beloved's and he is ours. And the beauty of that, it's because he has chosen and appointed and he has things that he wants to do through us. Uh, John 15, verse 16 through 17 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will what? Love one another. So he says, listen, I'm inviting you inclusively, but now exclusively, I have a plan and a purpose. I've appointed you. I've chosen you. I want to work through you to bear fruit in this world. I'm going to just submit to you, a lot of what's wrong in our world today is believers in Jesus Christ who have been included but aren't exclusive in their relationship with Jesus. That are still trying to call the shots or let the world shape them and form them. And so we're not bearing the fruit that he has created us to bear. Cross-shaped love begins to change that and transform that. As you think about that, in a few weeks we have baptism. And we believe that there is this baptism the Lord calls us to. That, that says as a believer and declares that as I go under the water, I'm saying publicly that my old life is over. I'm exclusively his as I come out of the water. Set in motion to bear fruit, to live for him, and to make a difference in our world. If you haven't been baptized as a professing believer, sign up today. I believe if you just go to our website slash baptism, you can find the information and sign up and be a part of that. Some of us need to be reminded of that because we know that there's something missing, something that has crept in and God's calling us to be shaped by his love. Now in this story, they're looking for the husband, the king, and as they're looking for him, he's going to appear in a minute. I found a funny illustration that I thought, you know, let's lighten it up a little because there's moments where maybe somebody's missing in our life and and we have a different motive. Let's play this video of a husband looking for his wife. Officer, my wife is missing. She went out yesterday and she hasn't come home. Okay, what's her height? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe around five, six. Okay, weight? Uh, I don't know. Not slim, not big. Color of eyes? Sort of blue, I think. I never really noticed. What's the color of her hair? Well, that changes all the time depending on what hairdresser she goes to. What clothes was she wearing when you last saw her? Could have been a red dress, maybe a blue one. Uh, I don't know exactly. When she left to go somewhere, did she go by car? Yeah, she did. And what is the make of that car? It's a high-performance 560-horsepower Audi in a very specific grey-silver metallic paint. It has 8-speed pedal shift automatic transition and a 6.35-litre V12 engine, generating at least 560 horsepower. It has a Z51 Super Performance package, larger-than-normal alloy wheels, GT bucket seats, satellite navigation, and unfortunately, a little thin scratch on the front left door handle. (laughs) Don't worry, sir. We'll find your car. That, that hit a little too close to home, did it? <laughs> Don't worry, sir. We'll find your car. Uh, as we're looking at this, uh, he appears. He's found. Let's see what happens next in verse 4. Uh, verse 4, he says, You are beautiful as Tisra, my love, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners, 
Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Now, what he's getting at here is opposite of what you just saw in the video. He knows her, and he's going to speak life over her. They've been in a conflict. He's not worried about who's right. He's going to help make it right. And so he goes on, your hair is like a flock of goats, (laughs) leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are a flock of ewes that have come up from the washing. All of them bear twins. Not one among them has lost its young. He likes her hair and the fact that she has all her teeth, okay? This is good. Uh, It's still good today in our modern world. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil, meaning they were rosy. And he's not saying you have chunky cheeks. He's saying they're rosy. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. So he's saying there's lots of options around, but she is the only one. It's that exclusive nature that he's calling out. Pursue to her, per, pure to who, who bore her. The young woman saw her and called her blessed, the queens and concubines also, and they praised her. Who is this who looks down like the dawn, beautiful as the moon, bright as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? And then she responds. She says, I went down to the nut orchard to look at the blossoms of the valley, to see whether the vines had budded, whether the pomegranates were in bloom, before I was aware. So she's going down to the garden to say, I want to see, is it time? Is it the right season? Are, Are things ripe for us to, you know, resolve this relationship? And she says, before I was aware, my desire set me among the chariots of my kinsmen, a prince. They respond, return, return, O Shulamite, return, return, that we may look upon you. And then he says, why should you look upon the Shulamite as upon a dance between two armies? It's interesting there that, that the picture of the armies and a dance between them Scholars differ on what exactly was being talked about. It's a very difficult uh, piece to translate. Many ways what they, they believe is that often between two armies at war in a fight, there would be a moment where they would parade people in front, you know, whether it was men or women, there would be this procession and this dance that would begin to call them back to blessing and to unity and to what it meant to not fight the war in a way that harmed each other, but to do it God's way. He, at the same time, is saying, hey, yeah, that's my trophy, not yours. We don't need to put her on display in front of everybody else. She's my beloved. It's a beautiful picture. Cross-shaped loved, if you're taking notes. The second aspect is fights for what is right by doing right and not insisting on being right. And y'all, that, that right there is probably one of the most important things you may hear today. That it insists on, it's not me being right, it's coming to the one who is right. And allowing him to work. And that actually shapes a whole new reality, a whole new opportunity for their relationship. And as you'll see in a minute, what it can do within a church. John Mark Comer, I owe credit to the idea of cross-shaped love. You'll see in this quote from him, the phrase. He says, there are days when we're in love, when we feel love. When we feel the deja vu of what first, that first night in the park. And then there are days, he says, when we are tired, annoyed, and grouchy. And we feel, let's just say, other kinds of emotions of one another. Anybody married in the room? 
He says, through all of life, through though we are learning to love each other in Jesus' way, learning the genius of cross-shaped love. In many ways, that cross-shaped love helps us to understand that it's the presence of the person, the presence of Jesus, the presence that actually makes a difference. Some of you, just to pick something silly, may have an issue with you know, a spouse who doesn't put down the toilet seat. I heard someone once say that actually they knew and they began to look at it differently when they realized their spouse, who traveled a lot with business, that actually when that toilet seat was up, told them and reminded them that they were home. And they celebrated their presence and that relationship even though it still irritated them, right? Some of you are like, oh man, you're stepping all over. Because it may not be the toilet seat. It may be something else that you're allowing to irritate and to cause. And at the end of the day, it isn't about who's right. It's about following the one who's right. What does he have? What does cross-shaped love look like in the relationship? We've been providing for you uh, a booklet that every week has exercises to work through. This week, there's an exercise on how to uh, fight a fair fight. Uh, I'll never forget in marriage counseling the moment Cindy and I were preparing where the, the counselor actually said, hey, we're going we're gonna to do a session on, on how to you know, fight a good fight, how to fight in the right way in a marriage. And I'm like, we're never going to fight. <laughs> Cindy's in the front row in this service. She's laughing, right? I mean, that's just, that's just reality. And so this is there for you. I would encourage you to look at it during the week, see how this could help you, uh, not just in a married relationship, but really these principles can help you in any conflict and in any fight redefine how we do that because the conflict will come. The question is, are we doing it Christ-like, and with cross-shaped love. Amen? Now, the last part I want to look at today is actually then, what does right look like in marriage and in the church? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and it's actually in Ephesians 5 that we see this beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be when shaped by the cross, shaped by the love of Jesus. And as we look at it, we're going to see that it applies not just to brothers and sisters in the family of God and in, and, and in the church, but it also applies directly to marriage. And so this is really important because we don't have to wonder what right looks like. Jesus, God himself, inspired this through the writer Paul so that we would have a clear picture of what it looks like. In Ephesians chapter 5, we pick up in verse 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's saying, listen, in the body of Christ, your brothers, your sisters, You're to be filled with the Spirit, because if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not going to be able to bear the fruit that he's appointed you to bear. And if you're in the flesh, you're definitely not going to be able to to be filled with the Spirit. 
So he's saying, be filled with the Spirit. Out of you will start to flow these kind of psalms and thanksgivings and, and a generous and gracious heart. And then as a result, you're to be submitted to one another. That is a word that then they didn't like and we don't like today. Some of you are already reaching for the stone, right? Or tomato, maybe, right? And you're ready to, to throw hands because you don't, want, you don't like the word submit. But it's right here. Defining what's right and what health looks like. He says there should be mutual submission, submitting one to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It's important here to recognize you can't do one without doing the other. That if you submit to the Lord, you're also able to submit to your husband. If you're trying to submit to your husband and you're not submitted to the Lord... That's going to be very difficult to pull off. Verse 22, 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and as himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Why can they do that? Because he's filled with the Spirit, and he's loving like Christ loved the church, which we'll see next. Why can you do that? Because you're filled with the Spirit. You're mutually submitted to one another and to what's best. And so we just have to have headship because headship is ultimately a part of life. It's the way God designed it. He's the head. Jesus is the head. I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is. Yeah, I got an amen on that one. Right? It's the truth. It says, husbands, this is actually, I think, the more difficult aspect Listen to what it says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So husbands, be sacrificial. Lay it down. Surrender. It's not about you. You've got to love like Christ did. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, just as Song of Solomon pointed to a relationship and to the relationship of the church, this is as well. It's saying if we're out of order, if we don't have these things in place, that the church itself isn't going to be as holy and without blemish. It says in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherish, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. If you're looking at what is right and you're taking notes, I mean, what it's defined here in marriage and in the church. First is that we need to be filled with the Spirit. As I said, we can't do this in the flesh because our flesh wants to take control. It's full of pride. It's full of the things that get in the way. So we have to be filled with the Spirit. Secondly, we have to be mutually submitted. This is, again, in a marriage and in a relationship in the body of Christ. It's also within the church. If we're not mutually submitted to one another, then there's fundamentally a divide that occurs. 
says be mutually submitted within the home and within the church home. Third, husbands are to be loving and sacrificing, just as Christ did. To be laying it down, loving and sacrificing. Fourth, wives are to be submitting and respecting. It's interesting how husbands loving doesn't necessarily come easy to us. Like many of us men, we know how to show respect. We don't always know how to love. That's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. Wives, at times, it's easier for you to love than respect. Yes? Just felt like I was about to get stoned, like seriously. (laughs) And so you have to be filled with the Spirit in order to be able to respect. And then fifth, and this is so important, this is describing a unity within the marriage and within the church that when we get this right, it blesses the body. It blesses the relationship between a husband and a wife. It blesses the relationships in a church. With that said, I'd like to bring up my beautiful bride, Cindy. Because it feels like a really good moment for you to hear from a woman and her perspective. Could you come up, Sin? Cindy, I call her Sin. Yeah, yeah, we'll move this. All right, so she's going to take some time here and just share kind of what God is. She's looked at this outline and she's heard it this morning. You know, exactly what he's put on her heart. You good? Yeah, can we pause the clock so I have more time to share up here? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I will try so hard, church, to be so concise. Um, But when I share, I share from the heart, and it's really hard for me to sit down, but I will sit down and do my best. Um, So in looking at this message, um, I wrote notes, so I stay on task here. Um, but I, what really stuck, stood out to me was the very last point and the sub-bullets that were right there. Um, and so, a cross-shaped love. And so, focus on the second point, which says this. What does right look like in a marriage? And the reason why I was laughing so hard is because it brought me back to my bridal shower, where my aunt gave me a devotional on basically how to, you know, stay close to your spouse, how to be a good and submissive wife and all those things. And I laugh because I, I basically said, thank you for this gift, but I don't think I'm going to need it. Because we were in that la-la land where he's the best, I'm the best, we have no issues, God is good, right? Well, little did we know after the honeymoon that six months would be the hardest six months of our entire marriage. And so, but in that six months, there was something that told me, but God was going to use it for good. And so hopefully what I'm about to share will help you um, relate and also have hope this morning. Wherever you find yourself, whether in marriage, in brokenness, um, in friendship, in singleness, um, wherever you're at, hopefully it'll encourage you. So what does right look like in a marriage? So the first point talks about being filled with the Spirit. So verse 18 talks about, Paul talks about, do not get drunk on wine. And the reason he says that is is he's relating that to do not get caught up in the flesh. Do not use fleshly things to fight a spiritual battle. Do not take it upon your own strength to go and do this thing because when you do, you're going to fail because it's not God's way. It's not Yahweh. 
And so what he's telling us is we need to be in our right mind and fight not by, you know, by his power and strength, not in our own strength, right? Because with that comes brokenness. With that comes we say a hard word to someone. With that comes a lot of things that are really hard. And so when Paul says this, he's telling us, lay down the old way. You're a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. Fight the battle in God's strength. And so... Um, before this graphic is shown on the stage, I love small dogs. So this is a disclaimer that I'm not making fun of small dogs. I have a grand pup dog, and she is the best. Her name is Maeve. Um, but this graphic here is really about being filled with the Spirit. It, it represents it so well. Here we go. So for me, if you were to watch me leave my home when we have like 10 minutes or 5 minutes to shoot out the door, it happened this morning, but praise the Lord, I knew what I was talking about, so I, I won the gold medal this morning. So basically, there's something that happens when we can be having our quiet time, things are great, things are peaceful, until we talk to another human, or another human enters the household, right? And so there's something about in the urgent, we are tempted to go back to the old way. When the old way happens, we are at risk of saying some very hurtful words to our children, to one another, and even to ourselves. We do know that we can have a whole rip session where the only ones in the home, right? And so this picture, as funny as it is, and it gets laughter every time I show it, I show it in the women's group too, but it's so true, right? And so before church, after church, you know, before. And so God's heart for us is the after church photo where we are at peace. Psalm 4610 is evident in our life no matter what, which says, be still and know that I am God. And so we're to be called to be filled with the spirit. And how do we do that? Time with Jesus. We just cannot jump into being. We cannot fake peace. We cannot fake peace as our presence understanding. Either we have it or we don't. And how do we get it? Repentance. We humble ourselves and we give thanks. And so it's a heart that responds versus reacts. It's you asking yourself, will this matter in five years? Will this moment of whatever it is you fill in the blank with your children, with your spouse, with your friend, will this matter in five years? And if the answer is no, then let go and let God and jump in the party. Have fun. Trash your kitchen if it means your kids are having a ball baking you homemade pancakes with flour and eggs, and cocoa, right? Have fun with it. It's about choosing restoration over being right. And so reminding yourself, you know, as you're in that strong disagreement with your spouse or whomever, that remind yourself you are on the same team. You're at, your spouse is not your op opponent. Your, your spouse is not your enemy. The real enemy is a deceiver, and he's just doing his job. It's the devil. That's his job description to kill, still, and destroy. And so to know that you're on the same team and you really want the same thing, and here's the same thing we all want. We want, at the end of the day, we want connection. We want connection. But our spouse or that person cannot fulfill us. It's Jesus first, and then we can minister to those before us. So the second point is mutually submission. I heard this once, and it forever changed the way I look at this because I struggle with the S word. It's not the S-E-X word. It is the, although I have issues with that too sometimes. But the, the word that I had struggles with, I just said that. Yes, it's true. Because like Randy shared this morning about freedom, Christ has come for freedom. 
right? And I shared a few weeks ago about that first six months was really hard for us, right? So going back to my point, what was my point? (laughs) Submission, mutual submission. Here's what helped me, and it was glorious. Submission is not a doormat perspective. It's a doorway. What Christ wants to do in and through your marriage is blessing the other so that it's like a doorway, what he can do for his glory. Each of us have different gifts, and they're not meant to compare or stomp on or disregard, but it's like how do we serve each other in a way where each of us can activate those gifts in a way that's honoring to one another, to our household. The children are always watching. The grandkids are watching. Spiritual mamas, papas in the house, people are watching. Students are watching. Um, How do we do this for God's glory? Third point, husbands loving and sacrificing. It's me um, identifying, you know, and looking at Brian to acknowledge. He doesn't know I'm doing this, like, right now, but you all do, and so does he right now. So um, as I'm sitting on some things that I'm appreciative of Brian and how he loves and sacrifices for my family, is his walk with the Lord. If you could see him, he gets up at any time, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. He's interceding for all of you here. He senses what you all come in with at times. He may not know exactly, but he knows it's, he knows it's dark or he's, he praises God for, for, you know, for you and, and God just uses him in that way where he will get up and sacrifice sleep for me, for my family, for the children and for all of you. And he loves me well because he's an extrovert. He's a party in a box. If he had it his way, we'd grill out every weekend. But because he's married to me, we grill out maybe once a year. And how he speaks into Dawson's life, and Dawson's listening online, so we owe him a shake, but I love that every morning he takes him to school, and he speaks life over him. How many of you know our students need to have words of life spoken over them? They are walking through it. Walking through it. And I love how Brian is a hashtag girl dad, where he invests in our girls in, in, in heavy ways. So yesterday he wanted to take a nap, and he said, I got the nap. And he took the girls to the pool. It was wonderful. It was bliss. And I love the late night talks with Hannah. She's our 18-year-old. She's going through it too in college. And so when she says, Mom and Dad, can can, can we talk? We always say yes. And Brian always says yes. And Brian invests in our marriage. He makes sure we get away at least once a year on a week retreat. I'd rather have the kids there with us. But we all know gifts are, you know, God. they're God's gifts to us. And we need to put this first, right? And so Brian's extremely patient with me. So the next point is wives submitting and respecting. I'll let Brian share about this. <laughs> Don't you love how we are so professional up here? Well, <laughs> one of the beauties is when you love and you trust each other, you're not really overly concerned. And you're getting a very real moment, right? Because... Uh, yeah, I did not know that meme was coming earlier. Uh, but yeah, uh, when I think about this one, I, you know, Cindy and I did talk about this yesterday. And, you know, there's micro stuff that happens, but then there's the macro. There's the really big. And when I look back over the years, there was a moment when I was a public school teacher and a coach. I was serving in ministry when God said, it's time. And so I came to Cindy and I said, hey, I, it's my 10-year semester. Literally, I was going to get tenured. I had a perfect file. Everything was set in motion. And God said, it's time for you to go full-time as a youth pastor, young adult pastor. And uh, she said, we prayed together, and she said, okay, 
Like, I, I know that's what you're called to. <clears throat> Two years later, God calls us to a small community in southwest Michigan to plant a church for all people, to start a church and a nonprofit. We left a church of 2,000 every Sunday to start with six people, and two of them were right here. That takes submission to the Spirit and, and to the macro to say, I trust you. I trust the Lord in you. Let's go. Then in June of 2020, we've never shared this part on a Sunday morning. I get contacted by a search firm that's asking, would you consider coming to Pathway Church in Vero Beach? Would you go through the process? And uh, as we're praying it through, what we've never shared was that in that community, we had been there 14 years, was her twin sister, our niece, our nephew. In our neighborhood, every one of our children had their best friend within walking distance. And my parents had just moved in in the neighborhood over. It was the first time we had lived near them in 25 years. Knock, knock, knock. The other piece that really gets to me is we had a verbal agreement to buy our dream house. We knew God was shifting something, and we had verbally agreed to buy our dream house that summer. Her dream house, really. And as the Lord worked, she's so submitted to him and to trusting what God has placed in me as that head, that here we are. And so... I am only able to be who I am and do what I, and follow this calling of God that he's had on me and her and our family because she says yes to what he's showing us. Amen? Praise God for that. Okay, thank you. You um, want to make a joke right now, I can tell. I'm holding back. <laughs> I'm holding back. <laughs> so the fifth point is unity blesses the body. So... As we humble ourselves before God Almighty, hang out with him, spend that time with him, make repentance like a daily thing, um, it really brings unity. Unity is the outflow, the outpouring of what happens as we put faith in action, everything we just talked about um, with these points. And so, you know, maybe you're overwhelmed, so just start with one and just see what God can do with that, and the others will follow, and they will naturally flow, not only here, but with the church. And so it's amazing to see, like, the health of your household is only as healthy as your relationship is with your significant other. And that's really humbling with us. That means the relationship that we have, that staff has only, you know, it pours down into the body, which is a beautiful thing. And so my last point um, is just, you know, just to encourage you that cr cross-shaped love really is about an others-focused mentality and perspective. And so it's about helping the person become all he or she can be. And so with that, we have 59 seconds to answer the two questions that came in. Um, so let's just go ahead, like speed, like, you know. Okay. Uh, one of the questions, it was a couple paragraphs. This was submitted a couple weeks ago. And they, they were just asking the question, when you're in a relationship and one of the, uh, your significant other doesn't want to bring things into the light, you know, what, what do you do? And how do you work through things and have forgiveness and healing if, if one party doesn't want to necessarily bring things in, into the light? And uh, I was actually thinking of, of this one this morning and uh, during our worship set uh, as we were worshiping. I, I think so much of it has to do with the spirit in which we're approaching it. 
If the spirit is, we're going to bring it out into the open to shame, guilt, manipulate, or control, that is the wrong spirit. But if the spirit is, we want to bring everything out in the open so we can get healthy and whole, so we can build a new level of uh, love and trust, and we can understand one another, you know, and, and we're getting all the skeletons out of the closet, to use that language, I think that's the spirit in which God can move mightily. And until the Lord moves in those ways, if you're the spouse waiting, wait with the Lord, pray fast. Sometimes fasting can lead to those things beginning to, to come forward. Um, so I'm going to answer that one, then I'll give you the next one. You ready? Yes. All right, this one was for both of us, and it said, without consulting or collaborating with each other. So we haven't, we haven't talked about this one. How do you resolve a dispute or argument calmly when you think you're right without offending the other? <laughs> oh, boy. For me, that's kind of an easy question. Um, at the risk of sounding churchy, um, I really do take it to the Father. Um, I've had people speak into my life saying, Cindy, there's more people in this world outside of Jesus, which I know that, but he is my best friend. And I love him so much. And I love you all so much because of his love pouring in to me, to you. And so my response would be, I honestly would just zip it and go and just be with the Father. I'd go in my mom van um, and just sit with him and ask God to move, either move you or the person I'm speaking with, like move in their heart towards repentance and reconciliation, or move me towards repentance and shifting my gaze to him. The end. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, for me, a couple thoughts come to mind. One is timing. Timing is everything. We've learned that the hard way. I, I'm an immediate in, in my, like, I want to address it now. Let's resolve it now. And Cindy often needs time. And that time has become a gift in our relationship as long as she comes back to the table to work on it, right? Uh, but, but timing is a key piece. Um, it's also trying to look for what's best for the big picture. And this is important to hear within a church, but also to hear within a marriage if you're a husband. If everything is about you getting your way and about you controlling and, and doing what you want to do, then you will never be able to resolve every conflict in a peaceful manner. Because ultimately, even the Lord says, there's things that I want you to change. I mean, what did Jesus say in Matthew 16, 24? Deny yourself and take up your cross if you want to follow me. And so I think for me, that's the other aspect Often I need time with the Lord to get to that place because my immediate response isn't always, oh, whatever you want, honey. <laughs> like, I, I, it, it isn't. Know, in the early days, he used to follow me around the house. Oh. Because, well, not like the Song of Songs that we're talking about. He'd, and it was through our relationship. We're out of time, honey. We're <laughs> out of time. <laughs> no, this, this will be so helpful. This will be so helpful, I promise. I'm only sharing to be helpful and I say used to be. So he, like he said, and I'm guessing some of you men and women can relate to this because it's not just the men, right? Brian wants it resolved now. He wants it resolved yesterday. I process things. And I will tell you 99% of what comes out of my mouth in the minute is going to be in the flesh. 
I will not be in the spirit. And I know that about myself. And so it took us a while to talk to where we said, look, I need to talk to you. I, I'm a processor. It's not like I'm avoiding it. I'm not trying to put it under the rug. I really need time to process because I want to go before God and say, Lord, search my heart, oh God. Like this really hurt and I really feel I'm right, but will you show me because I'm so narrow-minded because sometimes when we're in the forest, we don't see the beautiful treetops and the leaves changing color and new season coming where God makes all things new, right? And so we learned early on, that, that six months was a doozy, but man, was it glorious too because God used it even today. He still uses it. And so that's what I meant. So it's good. It is time, and it I don't know time. how to end this service. So yeah. I think can Brian I, will. Can I tell him what you did yesterday? No. So. <laughs> sure, I have no idea what no. he's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know I'm good anyway, so. That's fine. Go for it. No, uh, we, we had a conflict, a strong disagreement yesterday morning. And uh, it was actually about this message. And uh, go figure, right? Spiritual warfare, anybody? And uh, so there was a moment where I was tempted to uh, begin to follow her around the house to resolve it. And she looked at me and she goes, hey, why don't you just go to the beach or something? Which and was, he did. And I did. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Next up questions. We got two for you. And uh, our worship team is going to come out. And uh, really, as you think about all of this today, we... we are trying to be as real and applicable as we can be. This is real stuff. If you're not married, you're single, you're, you're dating, or you're in the church in general, all of these principles apply. We want to see unity and blessing within the church. And we're not going to find that out in the world. Cross-shaped love is the key. So first question, how does cross-shaped love impact your walk with Jesus today? If you don't know Jesus, that's your starting point. To come forward and say, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. For others of you, it may be that he's saying it's time for you to take up your cross, deny yourself, and trust him and follow him. Secondly, how does cross-shaped love impact your walk with others today? You know, whatever he's showing you, whatever is coming into the light, the cross is the place to bring it. So Cindy and I will be up here available. Our prayer partners are available. We're going to go into a time of just praising and worshiping. And the altars are going to be open. If you're online, we have a chat host that would love to connect with you and pray with you. I'm going to just pray us in and then turn it over to our team. Father, we love you and thank you that Jesus, when we look to the cross, we see love as it was meant to be. Father, we thank you for the way that love flows freely to each of us and is meant to flow freely through us. We thank you for being with us today, to inviting us to laying anything down that we need to. Lord, continue to define right according to your word, according to your son, Jesus. And may we follow you, whatever that means. Holy Spirit, we need you. Fill us with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it, isn't it great to laugh and learn together? Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to stand just yet. If you want to stand, stand. But here's what we're going to do.
If we stand, if you want to stand. If you don't, that's fine too. What we're going to do right now, though, is we're going to just give just space, just about 30 seconds to allow what you just heard and what you just received from the Lord to just rest in you and penetrate and just make sure it's, it sits there and is, and you hear it, but not just your ears, but your heart. So we're just going to wait 30 seconds and then we're going to go into a time of praise. So let's just wait on him. telling you to come forward obey him come forward pray pray together be prayed over we have prayer partners and Brian and Cindy are up here just be obedient to that so let's worship
So cross-shaped love, as we get ready to go today, if you're a visitor online, I think we have a link for you. If you're here in person, please come out uh, to our welcome center out these doors. We've got a gift. We want to welcome you. All of you are in, that was really beautiful, whatever that was. Wow. (laughs) Could you do that again? Okay, I like it. Uh, (laughs) Clearly we're at the end. Uh, Tonight, we have our family meeting at 4 o'clock, and uh, all of you are welcome. Uh, If you are a voting family member, we would love to have you there uh, as we look at budget and and a future board term for one of our uh, newest individuals, uh, Dr. Earl Hendricks. So it's going to be a great night. We're going to worship, celebrate some of what God has done in the last year, and then we'll have some Q&A and lead into a time of prayer and voting together. So that's today at four o'clock. As we get ready to go, remember to love God, love all people out of your pathway. Let's be his church. Let's be shaped by his love. I've asked Cindy if she would actually pray us out today. So Cindy. Jesus, I thank you for this morning and all the work that you are doing. I pray, Lord, for the one who may be sitting in here this morning or listening online who is hanging on by a thread. Would you just speak to her heart, speak to his heart to let them know that you can handle it, that you are for them, and you just want them to run to you, Jesus. And I just pray for every single person in this space. Jesus, that you would just keep drawing them closer and closer. I pray for the skeptics listening in, Jesus, even in this room, even in this space who feel unworthy of your love, that you would break through today. This would be the day that you break through and soften hearts, Jesus. And would you just draw us close, draw them close. And I thank you for this wonderful morning. I pray that your word will not go on rocky ground, but it will go on fertile soil. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go now and be the church.